want to talk to you about a subject today. Um, I'm not going to disclose what it is just yet, but um, don't know how much uh, this subject has been spoken about in the past. Um, but I think it's, it's something that I want to share with you that I've been wrestling with for the past, I want to say month now. And it's something that is a practical application for you all at this stage in your lives. And it's something that um, I trust that you will take with you and wrestle with uh, for the next few years. And you'll understand what I mean as we start going through the subject. Um, we live in a world right now that puts value on all the wrong things. What car do you drive? What watch do you wear? And in your cases, what jeans are you wearing? What clothes are you wearing? What car do you drive? What car do your parents drive? What house do they live in? How much money you have, right? All the wrong things they put value in. You know, it's, it's a world right now that is promoting a warped sense of what's right and a warped sense of what's wrong. Um, I got a magazine the other day that, um, um, it's World Magazine. And it's, uh, it's, it's like a Time Magazine, but it comes from a Christian perspective. And the cover of the magazine was, it was the anniversary this past week of Roe versus Wade. And I don't know how many people know what Roe versus Wade is, but it was the, the judgment that basically allowed abortion. And there are songs that talk about how warped are we, you know, that we kill the babies but save the trees. You know, there's a song by Casting Crowns, I believe, and it's a chorus in there that says that. Think of how warped that is, that we will kill babies but save trees. You know, the fact is that the world today wants to teach you or wants you to believe that there is no right and wrong. It's called relativism. You know, what you believe, Andres, is okay, and what I believe is okay, and what Brian believes is okay, and it's all okay. You know, I could sit here and tell you, this shirt is red, and everyone here knows that the shirt is not red, it's black, but if you tell me that it's not red, that it's black, oh, you're so close-minded, you know, you need to be a little bit more open-minded, how dare you, you offended me. Andres, you offended me, you know that? This shirt is red, right? That, that's, that's the world we live in, really. Um, you know, you guys are in school, and maybe you don't see that, but some of you that are a little older and work and have to deal with, with some of the, you know, new wave thinking, you know, you see that it's, it's we live in a pretty, pretty difficult times. Um, there's no right, there's no wrong, there's a twisted, you know, everything gets twisted, it's relative. Um, and we see that in the Bible. We see that if we go into creation and how God gave strict instruction on what man could and could not do. And Satan come in, came in and twisted the words and told Eve in Genesis 3-4, you shall surely not die. And I could just, in my mind, I'm, I'm very visual and, and I like to maybe um, take a little bit of creative liberty and I could just hear uh, the certain probably whisper under, under his breath, you're right, you know? But Eve believed the lie and pondered and ate the apple or the fruit and 
and here we are. We're also living in a world that is making it increasingly difficult for each and every one of us, for each and every one of you, to live out godly biblical lives, to live out the principles that at one point were the bedrock of this country. If you think about this country and, and the, the history that it has, you know, very short history relative to the entire world history, um, you think about the blood that has been shed throughout the entire eastern seaboard, you know, the 13 colonies. Blood that was shed for, for not only for liberty, but for, for religious beliefs in liberty that they wanted. They wanted to serve God. They wanted to do that freely, and England wouldn't allow that. And now we live in a time where those things are being slowly chipped away. Um, and we're living in a time where those things are, are they're trying to remove from everything, from courthouses to the, the, the money that says in God we trust. And we're living in a time where you are being ridiculed for your beliefs. And in some parts of the world, people are being persecuted for those beliefs. I think the Bible is clear and has very clear and specific instructions for us on how to live. <clears throat> and what I want to talk about is, is, some of the, uh, is characters, is characters for the, the godly character for men and godly character for women, but more specifically, and we'll talk about the specifics in a bit. If we look at the book of Proverbs, right, the first eight chapters of the book of Proverbs, um, I'm going to outline real quick for you. There's a bunch of different instructions um, that you should be reading and you should be looking and applying in your lives. If you look at Proverbs 1, avoid bad company and heed wisdom's advice. Proverbs 2, avoid the adulteress. Proverbs 3, trust and honor God. Proverbs 4, acquire wisdom. Avoid bad company. Again, watch yourself. Proverbs 5, forsake lust. Proverbs 6, avoid surety. Avoid laziness. Avoid adultery. Proverbs 7, avoid the harlot in Proverbs 8, the qualities of wisdom and the origins of wisdom. The world wants to sell you a lie. Satan wants to sell you a lie. Satan wants to rob you of God's very, very best for each and every one of you here. So today I want to talk specifically to the young men and specifically to the young women on, on a very, an event that is going to come up in your life uh, if, if God so chooses that you should enter into this. And it, it's a covenant relationship. And it's when you get married. And I want to talk to you specifically to the men, the boys, the young adults, and the women, the young ladies, on the characteristics that you should be looking for in a spouse. Again, I talked about the times that we live in. If you look at the television today, the lie that the world is trying to teach you is, you know, the guy should dress a certain way, or look a certain way, or sing a certain way, or drive this car, or whatever. And for guys, the woman needs to look a certain way, or dress this way, whatever it is. There's a lie that's being sold to you repeatedly through mass media. But God in his word has outlined very specific guidelines that you guys should be looking at 
as you start to enter into this very critical stage of your lives, you know, you're, 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 you're going through a transformation where you know, the person of the opposite sex is now attractive to you. And that's fine. God built that into your nature. But God has also set for you a specific time. Um, and, and obviously, uh, I'll take it a little step further. Um, your parents probably have some guidelines and rules on how you're going to enter into some of these relationships and how you're eventually going to choose that future spouse. But there are certain things that God has laid out that I want to share with you. That, you know, it's been pressing in my heart. Obviously, I have a 17-year-old son and I have a 14-year-old daughter. And at some point, and surely in the next five to ten years, both of them are going to be entering into this relationship. So for me, it's something that's, you know, to apply now for them specifically. Uh, and as I look, I look around the room, I said, you know, this, will be, this would apply to some of their, you know, friends here as well. So I'm going to share this with them as, as I'm beginning to share it with them. So for the guys... This is what I want you to be thinking about over the next 20 minutes as we talk about some of these characteristics. I want you to think, these are the traits that I should be looking for in a godly wife. And for the girls, as I'm talking about the characteristics of a woman, I want you to think, these are the traits and characteristics that I must develop to become a godly wife. Now, I'm not going to leave it there. As I go through the characteristics for a man, the women are to be thinking, these are the characteristics and traits that I need to be looking for in a godly husband. And for the men, again, these are the traits that I need to develop to become a godly husband. See, each, of, each one of us here has a responsibility. Right? There is something that you're looking for that is through the filter that God has provided through his word. But there's also the other part, what you need to become so that you can be the other part, the fulfilling part for that perfect relationship. All right. So each one of us has a responsibility and we're going to go through it in a little bit. Now, maybe you know, maybe you don't know. Right? We're going to go next part of the message is, Men, what are you looking for in a wife, in a woman, right? And Proverbs, we started to talk about Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 31 gives you the description for a godly wife. And I'm going to be upfront right now. There isn't, a pro, there isn't another chapter in the Bible that gives you the list for the husband. But I'm going to submit to you what my belief is on what that husband should be based on what God has revealed through his word to me and through other men as I, as I seek out wisdom to understand what these characteristics are so that I can teach them to my daughter on here's what you need to be looking for. Here's what the word of God says. But when it comes to men looking for a wife, Proverbs 31, that's what we look toward. So let's, let's turn to Proverbs chapter 31 and let's look at verse 10 real quick because that's where it starts. And the first part of the, of the chapter is, an excellent wife, who can find? And let's just, let's, just, let's, let's just think of that word for a second. Excellent. Pure. I mean, what, other, what other word can I use 
to describe as an adjective the word excellent. I mean, I want to say perfection, but God is perfect. So it's not perfection, but excellent. I want an excellent wife. I think I found one. I want an excellent wife for my son, and I'm sure everyone here wants an excellent, each one of the men wants an excellent wife for themselves. So here's the value that God puts on an excellent wife. I will continue reading. For her worth is far above jewels. And we'll continue reading. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. She is like a merchant ship which brings food from afar. She rises also while it is still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. From her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out at night. She stretches out her hands to the staff and her hands grasp the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor and stretches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She makes coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates while he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. Strength and dignity are her clothing and she smiles at the future. She opens her mouth in wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and bless her, her husband also, and he praises her, saying, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Charm, and deceit, charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. We'll stop there, and we'll go through the characteristics real quick. Excellent, more valuable than jewels. Her husband trusts her. She does good all her days of her life. She is a hard worker. She is a savvy businesswoman. She is benevolent. She freely gives of herself and of, of her resources to those that are in need. She provides well for her family. You read all of the different things that this person did to provide for her family, whether it's clothing, whether, and clothing that she made, not purchased, made herself. Whether it was um, providing in the way of her lamp never ran out which means that she had the resources to have what was necessary in that lamp, oil, what have you, so that it wouldn't burn out in the middle of the night, right? Great reputation, right? You, some of you, I mean, most of you here are not married, but those of you who are, knows the value of when someone says, Man, you're, they look at you and they say, you are so blessed, your wife, she is so awesome. I'm privileged, thankfully. I'm not boasting, but I feel that I have that. And, and I'm, I know those of you that are married here have that as well because we've, we've loved God, honored God. Our, our wives are saved. We are saved. And God has blessed us. And, 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 and I, I, for myself, see it in the lives of many people here. But how blessed, you, you may not understand it now, but how blessed that you can be at peace knowing that your wife is taking care of your household, taking care, taking care of you. And people look and consider you blessed for that. 
a great reputation. Her speech is kind and wise. I want to take that for a second and, and give you the opposite, right? Remember the story of Samson, right? How much of a nag at, to the point that he said, fine, cut the hair, and, and we all know the story, right? I don't want to divert too much from that, but just look at the antithesis of someone whose speech is not kind. You know, overall, this lady was not lazy, right? You know what's important about those verses that we just read? That if you read Proverbs 31, the first verse, this advice came from a mother. So it's a mother telling her son, here's the template. So I submit to you, you need to involve your parents, men, boys, young adults, in that process. Because she knows, your mom knows what to look for. What's not mentioned in this list? How beautiful she is, how long her hair is, or what money her parents have, none of that. On the contrary, we read in verse 30, charm, and deceit, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. It's, those are not important characteristics. These other ones, those are the important characteristics. Another thing, key thing that I want to point out is that this is the end of Proverbs, right? And we see verse 30 that, but a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised, right? Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 is what? For those of you who have been in Nuwana, you know it's one of the memory verses. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 is what? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? So, the book of Proverbs is almost bookended with this phrase, the fear of the Lord. If you look in the Bible, the fear of the Lord, or fear, is used 365 times. <clears throat> that word fear is found 365 times, more or less. And this week I was listening to a, to a message, Chuck Swindoll, uh, in the car. I spent a lot of time in the car. And he said that in the New, in the New Testament, the number one phrase that Jesus used, the number one phrase, the number one command was fear not. Fear not. Right? And we look, think of the word fear, right? It's not afraid that something's going to happen to you, but it's a reverence. You know, we need to be reverent toward God. You know, like you, you young people have a healthy fear and respect, I would hope, for your parents, but you don't, you don't fear for your life or your safety, but it's a respect that you have for them. You know, that's the type of respect and admiration and love that we should have for God, more so because he sent his son to die on the cross for us. So that's men, what you should be looking for, women, what you should be aspiring to. So now let's go to, to the men portion. And like I said, there isn't a chapter that outlines this, but this is what I'm going to submit to you. Let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. And in 1 Timothy chapter 3, we have Paul who is talking to Timothy and submitting to him the characteristics that he should be looking for an overseer. 
and someone who wishes to aspire or who aspires to the position of an elder, position of a deacon, right? So I'm sure, or I'm convinced, I should say, that these are the characteristics that not only will make someone a godly person, but these are characteristics that I, that I am hoping for that my wife, my, my daughter is looking for in a future suitor. And I would submit to you that these are the characteristics, men, that you should be aspiring to. And women, these are the characteristics that you should be looking for in a guy. So let's, let's go through them real quick. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. An overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, uncontentious, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. And we'll stop there. I'm going to focus on the characteristics that are key, above reproach. For those of you who don't understand that, that, that phrase, above reproach, it is, it is, I liken it to excellence. The first phrase that we saw for women was excellence, and the first phrase we're seeing here is above reproach. I mean, it's someone who is blameless, that no one can point the finger at you and say, yeah, I saw him, that person, I saw Jamel. Yeah, when he's not at church, he's doing this or that. No. On the contrary, he is above reproach. He is the same. He is the same. And there is a verse that I want to read to you, verse 7. Timothy chapter 3, verse 7. And he must have a good reputation with those outside the church so that he may not fall into the reproach and the snare of the devil. So above reproach, verse 2. Temperate, someone who's not a loose cannon. Prudent, respectable. It's funny, all of these are condensed in two verses. 1 Timothy chapters 2 and 3. Men, read it, study it, apply it. Women, that's what you're looking for. That's your filter. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and 3. Now, guys, you might be sitting here and saying, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't want to be an elder. I say, okay, these are the characteristics of an elder, but these are the characteristics also of a godly man. If you're going to sit here and aspire for an excellent wife, then girls, I would aspire for a man who's above reproach, a man who is temperate, a man who is respectable, honorable, hospitable, able to teach, no addictions, gentle, uncontentious, free from the love of money, not a new convert, has a good reputation, etc., etc., etc. Women, excellence. Men, above reproach. Those are your characteristics. Titus chapter 1 also has some of these same characteristics, but it goes into things of what not to be, or the person, or what the man should not be when they're looking for an overseer. And again, I would submit to you, this is my belief on the characteristics that I am seeking for, that I am praying for my daughter that she will seek for, in a future suitor. Right? So Titus 1 goes into these. Not rebellious, verse 6. T 
Titus 1, verse 6. Not self-willed, Titus 1, verse 7. Not quick-tempered, again, verse 7. Not addicted to wine, verse 7, and not pugnacious. Pugnacious means to be quarrelsome, combative, argumentative. You guys have friends that no matter what you say, they want to get into an argument. You think to yourself, Man, you should be a lawyer. You make a great lawyer because you want to argue everything, right? Now imagine being married to that person. They'd be pugnacious. They'd make your life miserable, right? You want to punch your friend in the face, right, when he's or she is pugnacious, quarrelsome, what have you. You're not going to punch your wife in the face. You're not going to punch your husband in the face. But if you're looking ahead of time through God's filter and you identify someone that exhibits that characteristic and that person doesn't show the willingness to grow and allow God to work in that area in their lives, then I would tell you, run the other way. Run the other way. Because again, using the analogy, if you can't stand your friend who's argumentative, you can fill in the rest. So, we're running out of time, so I want to conclude real quick. I'm not here to tell you, or I made it a point not to tell you, um, that you should be dating or not dating, or, or that is something between you and your parents that you guys can decide. I have my personal beliefs on dating and courtship and what I believe the Bible teaches and what I believe is, is prudent in light of today's environment. Um, and I'll be willing to share that with you offside. Not going to preach my opinion here. I really want to stick to what God is, is, has put in my heart from the Word. But uh, what I am telling you is that there are specific characteristics that each one of us, men and women, uh, from the point of view of a spouse, that we should be looking for and we should be aspiring to. And I would submit to you that these characteristics can, can be developed because if you sit here and have the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you have been indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And if you allow the Holy Spirit to work in you and you allow yourself to focus on you, and developing these characteristics, then I promise you that if it's in God's will, then he will provide that person for you. And if it's not in God's will, like Timothy, he will enable you to live on for the Lord and be satisfied and content in your single state. So I want to go back to something that I just said because it's important. If you sit here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you're looking at some of these characteristics and saying, or, or could be a believer in saying these characteristics are difficult, but the Holy Spirit will enable you. But if you're not saved, then I would submit to you that you may be a good person, but I would say it would be very, 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 very hard without the work of God in your life to achieve what God would want you to achieve, right? Because whether you're a believer or not, God has a plan for your life. His ultimate plan is that you come to the saving knowledge through his son, Jesus Christ, right? That is his goal for you. That's why he sent his son to die for you. And so if you sit here today, right, the Lord has you here today, and he's giving you the opportunity today, right now, for you to come to the saving knowledge of his son, 
For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, we read in Romans, right? Every one of us. Every one of us. And so Jesus left his throne, left his position, came here, became a lowly man, lived 33 years, suffered a cruel death for you and for me. And he did that so that one day you can be with him in heaven. And so all you have to do is believe, acknowledge God and believe that, number one, I am a sinner. Number two, yes, Jesus, whom you sent, is the way and the truth and the life. And no one can come to the Father if through him. And to place your trust in him and in that gift and in that work that he did 2,000 years ago on the cross. So if any of you here have any doubt as to your eternal salvation, as to your eternal position, I should say, please reach out to me, please reach out to Brian, to Jamel, to Jesse, to Aaron, to Malcolm, to Andres, to anyone here. We'd be happy to spend some time with you and just show you in God's word what he wants for you. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your son, Lord Jesus Christ, for salvation given so freely, Father. We just thank you for your grace that abounds. And we just thank you for the time that we can spend here sharing in your word, Lord, looking at um, these characteristics for courtship, Lord, and eventual marriage, Father. It's, it's, it's a picture that you use many times in the scripture, Father. You, it's an institution that you take very, very seriously, Father. And we just pray that as we, um, as these young adults look to get um, into that institution, Father, that you have so blessed that they do so, Lord, through the filter of your word, that they may seek your wisdom and your guidance to, um, to enter into that covenant relationship um, in a way that honors and glorifies you, Father. We just thank you uh, for this evening, for the time that we could spend uh, singing songs that glorify you, Lord, the time that we can spend uh, having fun and playing games, Lord. And we just thank you for the safety and... And we just um, ask you for traveling mercies, Lord, as everyone goes home, Lord, tonight. Um, above all else, Father, I pray that if there is someone here that does not know you, Lord, that they may not leave this place, Lord, that their heart may be troubled, and that Satan may not win, Father, and not allow them to leave here ashamed, not wanting to, to talk to someone about their eternal state, Father. Please bind Satan at this time and allow your spirit to work, Father. And, um, and we just trust in you, Father, that your will will be done, Father. We know that the gates of hell will not prevail against your church, Father. And so we thank you and we praise you for that promise, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.